Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, we approach thy throne of grace this evening in prayer. So thankful we are, Heavenly Father, to have this opportunity to look into thy living and holy word. Dear Father, as we would now open this book, we pray that you would help each and every one of us to open our hearts, that we would be able to have the words that were written here on ink, in ink, on paper, transferred and written into the tables of our hearts. We need this, dear Lord. We come with different needs. We pray, dear Lord, that thou wouldst glorify thyself through this unprofitable servant, edify the church, call the lost. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. It's a real blessing to be here this week. I count it a privilege, and I'm very thankful to the Lord that he opened the way uh, for myself my family to be here, and I'm, I'm just so thrilled to be with you. And as we've listened to God's word throughout the, um, throughout the week thus far, we're just getting into the week, a passage has been really on my heart for a little bit. I'd like to, actually two passages I'd like to read from tonight uh, with the help of the Lord. And if you wish to follow, I'd like to do the first reading from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 24, I'd like to read a few verses from verse number 42. Matthew 24, verse number 42. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good men in the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if, that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In this chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, the Lord Jesus is responding to the question of his disciples with regards to his return, his second coming. And in this discourse, this other Sermon on the Mount that he gives, now at the end of his ministry, the Lord makes a special note about the gospel that's to be preached. Our, our theme, as has been often shared throughout um, the days we were here together at camp, has taken from the gospel of Matthew chapter 28, to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. But here in Matthew 24, verse 14, we read these words, and this gospel of the kingdom... The Lord Jesus is speaking of his gospel. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So loved ones, the preaching of the gospel is a key event in the end, in the, the, the end of the age. 
these last days that we live in, while the gospel has been commissioned from chapter 28 when the Lord Jesus was going to return to his heavenly father, and so it's continued for now so many centuries, and yet it still plays an important part. There's, there's a mile marker here that God alone can see when it's reached, and that is when he will decree in his own heart that my gospel has been preached in all the world. And, and, and Mark, uh, this same, the parallel passage puts it this way, and the gospel must first be published among all nations. And so it is in the context of the, of the last days of the events that lead up to the second coming of the Lord Jesus that he makes this comment with respect to the preaching of the gospel. And it is also in the context of the preaching of the gospel that he makes this parable about the servant, or two servants, actually. Let's review this parable together because we see that it is an explanation, it is a, a description of the last days with regards to the responsibilities the disciples and the servants will have. The parable went like this. There was a rich man, a wealthy man, a man of means and substance who had many employees and much land, and this individual was ready to take a journey uh, um, that he would be absent from his household uh, for a long time. And so as the Bible tells us that he made, gave some consideration to um, the fact of his absence and as a, as a responsible and well-thinking individual, he appointed a servant. He chose a servant that he gave some special responsibilities to be the ruler over his household in his absence. And among the uh, other many responsibilities I'm sure that this particular servant was given, he was also given the responsibility to make sure that the servants would um, have their daily sustenance, that they would have their food and drink, they would have what they need so they continue to do their work in the absence of the Lord. So this Lord had it all planned out. He planned it well. The scripture tells us that um, when he left, uh, there is, it actually has two endings, this parable, this short uh, little uh, parable of the Lord Jesus. The first ending, the good ending, is uh, when a servant who was in that position is obedient. He must love his master. He must be very devoted to his master. He must care for the words of his master. And so he does what his master asks of him, even though his master ends up being absent for a long period of time. And there is no set time when he's going to return, at least not that he would know. And so this faithful and wise servant is doing what he was asked to do. It wasn't so complex. It was work. It wasn't so complicated, but he did what he was asked to do. So that's the first ending. That's, that's the servant we all want to be like, correct? But then there is a second possible ending, and the Lord Jesus almost seems to elaborate a little bit more on the second as a warning, I believe, for us that we could, we could actually, if we're not careful, end up like this second servant. The second servant, the Bible even calls him an evil servant, would say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. Now, how do we get from the possibility of being wise and faithful to evil? I mean, that's quite a, that's quite a journey. It, it appears, the evidence would be that um, 
this man was yielding to a series of temptations of different thoughts that had come to his heart as he considered his situation. Maybe he was thinking something like this. I have been given a great measure of responsibility. I'm sure he must have thought about it. I have been placed in a position above my peers. They need to consider me. I have things to share with them. I have, I have some measure of responsibility and authority over them at this point in time. This is a privilege for me, and it's one I want to enjoy, or one I want to take the full advantage of. And, and perhaps at some point in his thinking, he also thought, and uh, time is on my side. I got a little bit of time here. He's going on a long journey, I know that much. Well, to, to continue with his servant, before you know it, this man is eating and drinking with the worst of them, He's fighting, he's brawling, he's, he's everything that he should not be, and he seems, it's ironic, isn't it? Uh, sin is that way. The more you chase pleasure, the less uh, satisfaction you actually have. The more this man was pursuing, uh, taking advantage of the situation, the circumstance that he was in, um, the, the, the more difficulties he actually had in his life because he was, he was now fighting with his fellow servants. And, and this thing, this went from, it, it's unbelievable, went from, from a great opportunity in a situation that he was in, and, and it quickly traveled to where he was in this position where his Lord showed up one day. He was completely unprepared. It was the most unexpected hour. And when the Lord showed up and saw what was taking place, the judgment was swift, the judgment was certain, and that man had a long time to regret the decisions he made, that path that he journeyed. So that's the parable, is it not, in, in, in so many words? And the moral of the story is that we want to be that wise and faithful servant, the one who took the Lord's um, instructions, simple as they were, and, and loved their Lord enough to actually want to do them. But now as we would um, look to think a little bit more about this passage and how it applies to us and uh, some of the challenges that you and I face as the children of God, as the servants of the Lord, in trying to... Uh, fulfill this commission that we've been given. Fulfill this responsibility of, of serving, of sharing the bread of God. There are challenges that come. We, we see that there was, a, there was an unexpected ending here with this particular servant. So to help me think of that, another passage uh, came to my mind, and, and um, I'd like to share that with you now if you wish to turn with me to the prophet Jeremiah. Earlier this week, we had uh, heard about an Old Testament prophet, uh, Jonah. This one's Jeremiah chapter 12. If you'd like to follow with me, I encourage you. I'd like to read just a few verses. Jeremiah chapter 12, because we now have uh, the parable laid out in front of us. We want to be that wise and faithful servant, not that evil servant who made all those wrong choices and in the end paid for it. And so Jeremiah is a another prophet, another servant of God who had a very similar mission, though he was in the old dispensation. And that mission, though it wasn't to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is and it was to share the, the words of his God with the people of God. And so there's some, there some parallel here between the two. And I think if we would meditate it for a few moments this evening on Jeremiah and his um, experience um, it, it might help us to understand some of the challenges that you and I face uh, 
and perhaps how we should uh, respond to those challenges as we desire to go, as we desire to serve God's word, to share the bread of heaven with a hungry and a starving world and even to our fellow brothers and sisters because he shared, the servant shared with his fellow servants. We need to share God's word with one another, including with a world that is starving literally to death. So Jeremiah chapter 12, verse one, righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee, yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously? Thou hast planted them, yea, they have taken root, they grow, yea, they bring forth fruit. Thou art near in their mouth, and thou art far from their reins. But thou, O Lord, knowest me, thou hast seen me, and tried my heart toward thee. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter, and Prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long shall the land mourn and the herbs ever be filled wither for the wickedness of them that dwell therein? The, The beasts are consumed in the birds because they said he shall not see our last end. Now Jeremiah is in angst. That's clear from these few verses we have read. Jeremiah, as I understand from the scripture, was from the the city of Anathoth, um, one of the 48 cities that were dedicated to the Levites. The Levites had no uh, land allotted to them, but each of the tribes were to set aside some cities uh, for the Levites. Anathoth was one of them in the land of Benjamin. This is where Jeremiah is from. And as you would expect, there were many priests there in Anathoth because it was a city for the Levites. But as we read the scriptures, and we wouldn't have time to look at uh, the, the context here in Jeremiah, but you will see that um, these priests, the other priests that lived there in the city of Anathoth, could, just could not, they, they, they just could not stand Jeremiah, uh, to put it uh, in, in, in that way. Um, they resisted his message. They found fault with him. They made every effort to undermine him. They opposed him. They, they even threatened to take his life and and, and they did it in such a way that it was very devious. I mean, they did it so that Jeremiah knew full well what they, were, what they had in their heart for him, but they cloaked it and disguised it so that others would not see it quite so obviously. So he knew these men were his enemies, and, and, it, and it troubled him, and it bothered him so much. You see the vexation of his soul as he, as he struggles with this frustration of these men are repeatedly, continually trying to do me in. And, and he prays to God. He says, God, I know you are righteous and you see everything. And he was right about that. He is right about that. But he says, these men, he says, I know these men. You're in their mouth, but you're far from their hearts. And, and God knew that as well too. God knew that there are many. Isaiah speaks about those who they they want to draw close to God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And Jeremiah struggled so much because he had a message to give out for crying out loud. And these people were preventing him from giving God's message, which could be more important, but giving God's message to the people of God. And yet they were thwarting his every effort as much as they could. It's verse 5 that arrests my attention. Because I, I believe verse five is God responding to the cry of Jeremiah. Let's look at verse five. If thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? I'll just stay with the first half of the, this brief proverb that God gave to Jeremiah, almost a 
a measure of rebuke. I, I, I believe the sense of this is that you are worried about this, you're worried about these men. What are you going to do when the greater challenges come to you? I, I, I picture the proverb this way. If you have run with a footman, if you have a, um, a soldier, a, a, a foot soldier, he's equipped with his sword and his shield, and the, on the battlefield he meets, he meets the enemy, another foot soldier, with his uh, sword and shield. We know what we have at that point. We have a fight. We have a, a fight on our hands. And uh, not like a boxing match, not like any sporting event today where there's rules and so on and so forth. Um, this fight doesn't end until um, only one heart is beating. The, the soldiers look at each other and they know they must, they must take the other one out. It's, it's unto death. So foot soldiers fighting on the battlefield. This is uh, the way I'm, I'm looking at this parable, this proverb, if it, as it were. And so he's saying that, he, I believe he's comparing the ordinary trials and problems that we often go through in our life with the foot soldiers. And he says, if thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, if you are, if you are battling through the, the common trials and problems we have in this life, and you grow weary and exasperated and you, you come to sometimes to points where you feel like it's just, you know, it's a bit, a bit much, Lord. Loved ones, we, we, we can relate to this, can't we? Who here hasn't gone through trials? We all, have, we all go through trials and, and, and some we can anticipate, others catch us by surprise and, you know, it, it could be, it, it could just be um, uh, some... Some of the, just the, the, the responsibility of putting bread on the table. It could be having sufficient business if you're self-employed. It could be troubles at work or stresses at work when you're pushed to, to meet un, impossible deadlines and, and you have maybe some coworkers who are not so understanding or, or some um, management that's not so understanding. We go through these things. It, it shows up when we have to raise children and, and we find ourselves feeling inadequate to, to address their needs or to somehow help, help them under, to chart their territories as they, they go the bumpy road to maturity and we go through these trials and, and we make these experiences, it's sickness, it's diseases that happen. And, and I'm not here, please, not for a moment do I think that I'm trying to minimize anyone's trial or anyone's burden that they carry, even in this hour or have carried in the past. But what did God say to Jeremiah? God said, if you have run with the footmen, if you have battled with another foot soldier like yourself and you have grow weary, what are you going to do with the horsemen that come your way. So, as I would just continue a little bit in, in the way I'm looking at this proverb, you know, if you, have, if you have a foot soldier, if you're a foot soldier, you're on the battlefield, and you have your sword, you have your shield, and, and you're prepared for war, you've already been involved in the battle, and, and what shows up across you, not another foot soldier, but now a horse. And that horse is mounted by another soldier, your enemy, and this is, um, these are war horses. Uh, they're 14, 15 hands high. They're anywhere between 1,500 to 2,000 pounds in weight. This is a, a beast that's been trained and bred for battle. And now you as a foot soldier are looking at this horseman across from you. You know what you have then? You, know, you don't have a fight. You have a desperate situation. Because while it's possible for that foot soldier to 
actually win that particular engagement is not at all likely. It's going to require that, that foot soldier to be extremely de- uh, devoted and, and concentrating and, and not only a skilled and strong man and experienced and so on and so forth, but in his heart, in his mind, he must be crystal clear what he's doing. Any moment, he's going to be crushed. And God is saying to Jeremiah, the footmen weary you. What are you going to do with the horsemen? There are bigger problems that are coming. There are larger challenges that are coming. How are you going to deal with those things? It's almost as if a mild rebuke to bring to his attention that, yes, you, have, you are weary. Yes, you, it is a struggle. Yes, it is difficult. But there are actually greater forces at work here that you will need to contend with. And loved ones, as we as the children of God who have been commissioned to share the words of God with a lost and dying world. We will face challenges. We do face challenges, do we not? But there are greater challenges that are coming our way. We didn't even look at Matthew 24. I think Matthew 24 describes quite a few of the characteristics of the last day that the church will live through, difficult and trying for certain. And so we must come to grips with the reality that that we do face footmen. This is true. We do face the ordinary trials and burdens of life. But we need grace from above to deal with 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 the horsemen. You know, as I look through the um, uh, lesson booklet, uh, I was uh, uh, interested to note that today's forums, adult forums, uh, all three of them, it almost seemed to me that there's a bit of overlap between them because they spoke of the the various um, topics, uh, some challenging topics for our day. Um, We learned about um, some of the challenges that the, the most recent and current young generations, Gen Z, uh, will face and, and, and some of the different characteristics they have, which are quite different from previous generations, but also the ungodly standards that are becoming normalized um, was also brought out in that forum. And, and I can only imagine, I'm looking forward to listening to the other two forums, um, but speaking of the filth of pornography or, or the confusion of, of, of gender in this day and age, you know, loved ones, um, we are facing some horsemen as a church that, that come on the scene and they are intent on wreaking havoc on the church, on wreaking havoc on families, on confusing parents to try to figure out, I didn't expect to have this situation to work through. Now what do I do? Things that didn't even enter our mind we are faced with. And, and so, loved ones, I think it's important to understand that, that God was warning Jeremiah that, yes, you do have these challenges of the footmen, but you have horsemen. And now, praise God, praise God, Jeremiah must have taken this truly to heart and, 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 and as difficult as his life was, and it was. There's another 40 chapters after chapter 12. It doesn't end here. He just didn't fold and, and, and say it's over and I, I'm just going to go back home to Anathoth and, and change and become one like them. No, loved ones, he was faithful. He persevered in his desire to serve his God. It was, it was too important for him. He could not give up. 
So the message he was given, he met every type of opposition. I don't know how many threats were made on his life, but he had multiple threats made on his life. He was dropped in a cistern. He was forgotten about. The king was intimidating him. It was just, it was one thing after another after another. This man had nothing but an uphill battle. But this weeping prophet was filled by the spirit of the living God. And he uttered words, hard to be uttered, unwelcome words, nothing that the kingdom of Judah was interested really in hearing. But he uttered them because they were not his words, they were his God's words. And those words are with us today. Those words have been a beacon through the generations. Those words have caused men and women for thousands of years to, to ponder and to meditate of the heart of God because they reveal somewhat of the heart of God. Unlike the other prophet we learned about who had to be dragged back to Nineveh, this prophet stayed on the job. This prophet was faithful. This prophet was wise. Loved ones, in our Christian life, we go through the skirmishes with the foot soldiers. Those are things we cannot avoid. But then we face footmen, we face horsemen. We face challenges, and we now face challenges in this society. We now face challenges as a congregation. We now face challenges that we didn't expect I was, I'm, I, I'm still trying to understand, you know, I was looking at some of the legislation that recently passed in our state with respect to the, um, uh, the Department of Education, what they, um, what they are obligated to do in their teaching of children in the public school system with regards to gender identity and so forth. And how they are, you know, whatever school board, of course, they, they may implement it a little bit different than the other school board, but these are, these are challenges that are being set in law. Uh, these are, th this is the threat of intimidation just keeps mounting. When we, when we encounter these horsemen, we can't buckle. We can't just cower. We can't just say it's too much. Of course, we need to cry out to God. We need to ask him for help. But loved ones, this is, this is a serious matter. And I know you understand that. I just is on my heart, it's my burden to share with you that, that we realize the horsemen are coming. Yes, there's the four horsemen in the apocalypse, and I'm not uh, trying to make an analogy here with that uh, scripture uh, this evening, but there are other challenges that are coming our way and that are already on the scene. And what do we do? And so I'm thankful for a day like today where we have brothers who have looked into topics like this who are making a, a full-hearted effort to give us education and give us teaching and, and give us ways to think about how to meet these challenges. But if I could, I'd like to share with you a few, just a few simple of my own thoughts to um, help us consider how do we meet the challenges of our day. I, I think, first of all, we need to honestly examine ourselves. And now I'm not talking about as a congregation or as a fellowship. I'm talking about as an individual uh, child of God. We need to honestly examine ourselves. You see, this, this servant, this second servant in Matthew 24, he, he, he didn't just, I mean, 
There must have been a reason why the Lord Jesus chose this man to be the ruler over his household in his absence. I mean, it wasn't just he had some good qualities, but he must have had, I would suppose, a good track record. He must have been, in other times, a very dependable person, a reliable, a loyal servant. And yet, make the journey is what he did. And so, loved ones, we have to honestly examine ourselves to, to, to ask in the light of God, am I compromising my Christian integrity? Am I feeding myself? You know, the, the, um, the parallel scripture in Luke, Luke chapter 21, the Lord Jesus says, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life so that this day comes upon you unawares. What is surfeiting? It's that excess eating. It's a sin of gluttony. It's gorging oneself. But, but I think really in the meaning of this is not limited just to the food we would ingest, but to anything we consume with our minds, things that we are consuming. And, and, and the, the, the thing is this, when we are over-consuming things that our spirits and our minds must be occupied with, then how hungry are we for God? You see, the overconsumption of all the things that dazzle our eyes or the things that interest us because they are so easily available as never before, there's this insidious effect. We may read all the right possible things and and nothing X-rated or nothing like that. We may be only looking at good things, but if our belly is full with all everything else but the Spirit of God? Do we hunger for God? And I think this is, this is a key that we must examine in my own heart and in your own heart. And, and I speak to myself, God knows this evening. Do I hunger for God? Do you hunger for God? There is no way we can even talk about foot soldiers, let alone horsemen, if we do not have the hunger for God that causes us to spend seasons in prayer, that, that, that leads us to open his word and to read his word, even without any commentary, but his word and pray, oh God, what does this mean to me? What do you want to tell me through this? We need to be hungry for God to walk in fellowship with the children of God with, with those, and share in the worship with those of like precious faith so that we will, be, we will be able to go. We will know the bread we have to serve so we don't have to be like the waiter that comes back to the table and say, sorry, uh, I know you ordered this, but we actually don't have it right now or I can't find it where it's at in the kitchen. No, when someone needs God's word, we need to be ready to share it but we can only be ready if it is in our hearts and lives. So loved ones, I I say first of all, I think we need to honestly examine ourselves. Do I have a hunger for God? Am I too full of the things this world is offering me? You know, uh, the sin and, and the weights there in Hebrews. You know, perhaps the weight is referring to things that are not necessarily sinful in and of themselves, but still burden us and hold us down and hold us back. I think number two, we need to withdraw ourselves from all ungodly attachments. I think we need to withdraw ourselves from all 
ungodly attachments. I think too easily we, we make excuses for worldliness in our own lives. It was George Fox who was preaching and he said, these men, they make a plead for sin. It bothered him. The other Christian ministers he was engaging, they were excusing sin. Loved ones, in our devotion to the Lord, we, if, we, if we are serious about sharing the bread of heaven with those who are hungry and waiting for it, we must detach ourselves from all ungodly uh, connections. While the challenges in our lives will, not may, but will be different one from another, but this we must do. And, and loved ones, by the grace of God, as we come and renew our hearts in devotion to him, and we realize the things that don't belong, and by the grace of God, I mean, the Lord Jesus used some pretty dramatic language when he talked about cutting the hand off and plucking the eye out. We know he wasn't being literal, but he was certainly meaning what he said. Sometimes we have to take drastic action so that we might be able to serve him. How much better to be able to serve the Lord with a full heart but one hand than instead of two hands and a half a heart? Loved ones, where is our heart? Do we, does our heart hunger for God? Let's detach ourselves. Let's separate ourselves from the ungodliness that is in this culture. I understand. I understand the Bible tells us that we must go in to this lost and dying world. But, you know, the Bible also tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the words of the apostle, this is not only in Revelation chapter 8 with respect to the day, uh, Babylon, but even in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion with hath light with darkness? We are to carry the light, we are to carry it in the darkness, but we're not to become, we're not to let our light grow dim in the, in the process. Yes, Paul became as a Jew to win the Jews, he became as those who are not under the law in order to win those who are not under the law. But he did not go into sin to win the sinner. And so loved ones, we must examine ourselves, as the scripture says here, what agreement hath a temple of God with idols? Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. This was, this was, was this not what happened there in Jericho? Was this not where they had uh, destroyed, uh, when, the, when the children of Israel came over Jordan and, and they had... Um, they had met the city of Jericho and, and by the direction of God and by the blessing of God, they had overcome the enemy. And then the next uh, battle on their uh, agenda was Ai, the, the, the smaller, evidently, city of Ai. And what happened in Ai? Ai, they, they only sent a, few, a, a much smaller attachment of soldiers to go fight Ai. And before Ai, they fell. And they couldn't understand. And, jo and, and Joshua came on his face before God. He says, what are we gonna do? And God says, get off your face. There's sin in the camp. You have taken of the accursed thing, and, and, and as long as you hold that accursed thing, he tells Joshua, you will not prosper. I will not be with you. Loved ones, the Spirit of God is calling the church to a deeper level of devotion, and this requires us to come out from among them, not to leave the world, but to not to be of them, 
He says, come out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing. Loved ones, we have to return. Doing these things helps us to return to our calling that we had in the first place. Simple calling. Take my bread and give it to the people. Give it to your fellow servants because they need it too. And you will find many people that are hungry and are actually starving to death. And if you look and watch long enough, you'll see them starve to death before your eyes. But you have the bread, you have the food. I've asked you to take it and to give it and to share it. But loved ones, there are challenges that will hinder us along the way. Some of them will be foot soldiers. Some of them we see on the horizon. Some we see among our, 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 in, in our own society today are the horsemen. The, the challenge, you know, they look at you with, with more than just eyes of hatred. They are evil. There is an evil. Loved ones, let's not cower. Jeremiah, by the grace of God, persevered and was faithful to the, he was a wise and faithful servant. You and I can be wise and faithful servants too. We don't have to be the evil servant. Let's return to our calling, but let's exam, honestly examine ourselves. Let's detach ourselves from the things that don't belong and let us come on our knees before our God to be consecrated, to take his bread to a hungry world. May God bless his word to our hearts. Indeed, Father, as we have heard that word, we are uh, grateful for it. And we pray that thou wouldst embolden us. Father, we pray that thou wouldst uh, cleanse us, create in us a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within us. If there is sin in the camp, root it out. Father, as we come before thee every morning, every evening, as we lay our heads down, let us be able to say that indeed we have done all that we can for thee. We pray a blessing upon the word that has gone forth upon Brother Mark upon this camp, that indeed thy word may find good soil and take root downward and bear fruit upward. Through Christ we pray. Amen.